Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, a part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com, always use your head. And when I say this week's episode is stripped down to the studs, I really mean it here. We are a limited bandwagon today with David Ungar choosing golf over bandwagoning in what I think will be only his, maybe his second full episode not in attendance. Ray Cash also not with us this week. However, I am still joined by the live studio audience, Mr. Saturday Night himself, Mr. PC Tunney. So welcome, Mr. Tunney, to the stripped-down version of, of Bandwagon Nerds. I mean, stripped to the studs, you got it right. I mean, come on uh, now, hell right? Hell yeah, I know, right? And <laughs> if I was good at operating the soundboard, I would have been on top of the, the, the ooh, you know, like, but I was not on top of it. So there you go. Uh, I even moved that soundbite because it's so short to the very end so that you wouldn't have, like, I wouldn't have to, like, zip up and make it stop uh, and, and still wasn't wasn't ready to go on that. But we are here. Who knows how long this podcast will go? We were joking. I was talking to Tony before this, had this, had this rundown laid out, and I think most of it is still intact. But there were a couple of, like, educate PC Tony sort of, topics that i just don't think we can have with me as not a dc guy i don't i don't think i can talk to you too much about zatanna getting scrapped by warner brothers and tunny is such a big zatanna fan in that if he saw zatanna on maybe one of the flash episodes if she ever made an appearance that'd be like your best shot and, and he's even being like i don't fucking know 
So that so. tells you all you need to know about that one. We're also going to ditch one of the trailers from the trailer. We're not, even, we're not going to have banjo music. We're not going to have intro music for this episode. We're going to have nothing. It is going to be just what me and Tunny have in front of us today. And I'm okay with that because, Tunny, we're, we're all you need. At the end yeah, of the day, that's, I mean, that's all we need. Yeah, turn us on, shut up, and listen. Let's go. That's right. And we are going to talk about your favorite Netflix streaming show, episode three of Lock and Key. We are going to do that. Yes, we are still going to go to the trailer park because I actually think one of the trailers that I picked, I hope you were as interested in it as I was because I thought it was the sort of thing, it's like it was the sort of trailer that's a little outside the box and I, that I, I kind of thought you would appreciate in particular. So when we get to that, I'll find out how right I am. We are going to talk about some Warner Brothers news specifically around DC. Tunny did go see Black Adam this past weekend. I did not. Uh, and so we're going to play a little game with Black Adam this week as uh, as as I do want to hear a little bit about it. Because the intent, I will say this, I still intend to see the movie. That is, that is not, and that's not just me blowing smoke. That's not just me lip servicing. Like I did intend to see Black Adam this week. However, looking into a, a new kitchen seemed to be more on the menu and the Mrs. O'Dowd was not going to take, yes, you can go see Black Adam instead of looking at kitchen <laughs> countertops as an option. And so that did not happen. And then I talked, we're, we're going to wrap up the show with what I'm just going to start calling the MCU rumor roundup because with phase four and phase five in high gear, there are all kinds of just rumors that seem to be coming out daily. And there were like four big ones this week that I, I wanted to talk a little bit about. And unlike DC, I am much more equipped to sort of fill Tony in on why some of these castings may be important or worth paying attention to or directing rumors. No, and I probably, we're not going to talk about Mephisto this week, everybody. So Ray Cash fans... I'm sorry, no Mephisto this week, even though there's an unsourced rumor that just got put out by a tweet saying that there will be a special on Disney+. Plus. I want to I reiterate, there's an unsourced rumor put out by one random Twitter account that then got picked up by other people as actually happening. So we're not going to talk about that. What we are going to do is we are going to jump right in, though, and continue our coverage of Lock and Key Season 3, the final season, Episode 3, where last week, folks, if you recall, Dave and Tony, you guys really primed me to dislike this next episode, this episode. And so I walked in ready, like pre-mad. I use that phrase a lot. I stole it from a different radio show. But I walked in pre-mad, ready to just yell at my television. And while I did have... A moment in the last five minutes of this episode, which is titled Five Minutes Past, where I was like, really, that's how we did that? This is stupid. On the whole, I actually liked a good chunk of this episode. Um, so, you know, I'll be interested. And I know it all kinds of blurs together uh, for you, Tony, because you had watched ahead. You watched. Did you watch the whole stinking season? No, and I forgot that we didn't cover season, episode three last week, and we were doing it this week. And okay. I watched episode four this morning. And so <laughs> yeah. you liked, and so you liked episode four, 
which I yes, guess I did. which excites me because now like I'm like all right I'm I'm on board. So episode three was five minutes past, and the big reveal in this episode we'll just get that part out of the way because this is the part that's the was, wedding. This is the wedding. No, this is after the wedding. This is the day after the wedding. This is Bodhi looking for the time key because he wants to see his father again. Uh, yes, okay. He, I gotcha. he runs into his mom who, you know, Nina suggests rather than looking for the time key, going into her memories to where Bodhi could see shared memories of both um, uh, Nina and Bodhi's dad, you know, Nina's husband, Bodhi's dad. At the same time. Now, Bodhi's going through some stuff here with Nina starting to date Josh. He is doing it. This part actually seemed very reasonable to me as an episode. Like he as a 10 year old, 11 year old child who is seeing his mom start to date somebody, not his father. And in what is a very normal thing when, you know, a parent starts to date somebody, there can be it is not uncommon for children to feel like that previous parent on the other side is being forgotten or disregarded and that's that's Bodhi Bodhi starts acting out on that and wants to go see his father with that now what was really troublesome because I'd been like okay how are we going to get Dodge back into this and that was when you and Dave were both like just you wait and what eventually happens is so Bodhi and Nina are in one of Nina's memories they're at a campfire Nina stops the memory prematurely and runs Bodhi out. And we later learn, and we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail, uh, that it's because uh, it was at the height of her alcoholism and drinking, and she was embarrassed by that and humiliated that and was kind of working through that trauma. But what it does is it caused Bodhi to find the time key to go back in time. And he goes back in time to a moment in, I do believe it's season two, where... They are battling Dodge, and Dodge is still. It's when Dodge is still in the form of Gabe, and has Bodhi chained up. the The children are all uh, kind of in this big confrontation moment. Bodhi shows up, sees his past self, starts to get cocky. Dodge gives chase instead of following through with what Bodhi remembers, and apparently latches on to Bodhi and ends up in the future for what I would assume is five minutes as well because the clock, like this hourglass and the clock flips over. We'll never know because when Bodhi tries to run away, he tries to trick Dodge into throwing their spirit out into the little, using the spirit key out into the outside of the house. Dodge doesn't buy it, gets Bodhi's spirit out there anyway, then joins and then possesses Bodhi. Dun, dun, dun. The end of the episode, Bodhi is possessed by Dodge, and that is how we get Dodge back in the show. I agree with you and Dave. That was that was dumb. And it didn't make sense for what Bodhi had been wanting to do all episode. He wanted to go see his father. And so he goes back in time to a time when he doesn't see his father, and... I hope that gets explained. Like, was he just an idiot and didn't read the clock properly? Uh, I hope that's what it is. But for whatever reason, his going back in time to that moment to then sit there and kind of flex on Dodge seemed really stupid and out of place. And I'm assuming that struck the same chord with you. Am I, am I correct on that? Yeah, that's one of them. Um, 
that's the main thing I think Dave and I were kind of alluding to last week. And the other thing is like the misplacing of his key book too, and, and losing that. Right. right. Um, as bad, it's funny though, as bad as the, these first three episodes, I feel like I haven't enjoyed them so much. Next week, episode four is, is if you can just forget about why we are where we are, <laughs> <laughs> like how we got there and just, and just cut your losses and say, okay, this is where we're at now. Um, this, this next episode really, um, kind of sets the, the whole motion of how we're going to finish this series. Um, that, that's where that's going to be the thing, right? So how do yeah. we get Bodie back out of, you know, a dodge back out of Bodie's body? Uh, we're leading towards that. And then also you got the, uh, the revolutionary war crew trying to, you know, possess all the keys to create, uh, a portal. This looks like what he's right, trying yeah, to do. Yeah, they're trying try to get so. over there. Yeah, and that. So I want to go through some other things that I really disliked about this episode before I go into the one thing that I really, really appreciated. Uh, you mentioned our Revolutionary War friends. So, for whatever reason, that's just not explained yet, or hopefully, hopefully, it gets explained at some point because it's really annoying. So these guys, Frederick Gideon and his posse. Uh, his two shades aren't really shades. They can they can do things. They can interact with the outside world because reasons. They use the they use the anywhere key to break into a house somewhere to steal clothing. They cut their hairs to make themselves look like basically homeless dudes. Like I don't get it. Like they stole clothes to like blend in, and then they look like vagrant homeless homeless guys wandering around. And the first place that Frederick Gideon goes is to this old house that is basically a museum, is the museum that Josh um, curates. And he's feeling around a pillar and he's like, there's a secret panel here. And Josh sees this strange dude who he knows is strange, who he's asking not to touch these things, but then goes ahead and tells him everything about where the historical shit that was hidden away in the pillar is supposed to be. So that then this vagrant dude can then go there and he doesn't, he doesn't, call the police he doesn't warn the library he does absolutely nothing except look at this strange guy and be like huh well that's strange and then these strange dudes wander into this to the library start messing with shit again look horribly out of place and nobody does anything they just let them grab knives and guns and scalpel librarian and they're just gonna like these guys are gonna be like wanted people like you just can't do that and yet here we are. And, and that's just I just just dumb. And that's just dumb. Because it's dumb for the sake of being dumb in a story. And, and I I can I can suspend my disbelief as well as the next guy. There's a little too much disbelief to be suspended, particularly within Josh's character. Like that he would let some rando wander into his place, know what he's feeling around for. The dude's asking after weapons. And he's like, oh yeah, they're in, they're on display in the library. It's a continuation of the downturn in, in the storytelling. And the right. and the, the I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's the actor's faults or it's the writer's fault, but it's definitely the writer's faults, but is right. it also the actor's fault is what I'm saying. I guess the one word I would describe to how this show what it's turned into is it's very hokey extremely yes like well you yeah. have to really cut like like when i say 
you're going to need to cut your losses and just pretend to start fresh for episode four, you got to do it. Otherwise, you're just going to continue to go, what, why, how? Instead, if you can do that, you'll go, okay, this is interesting. This is kind of where we're going. But to your point, this stuff doesn't make sense. So who do you hold accountable? Right. Well, I think it's a writer's problem. I think that for me, it's a writer's problem because it feels like they got painted into a corner. I don't, I don't know if they're telling the story they thought they were going to tell. I'm, I'm actually now interested in if there was some behind the scenes we don't know about when Lock and Key found out it was having its final season. Because at the time, I remember being like, oh, look, they're going to have time to do this right. And now it seems like, oh, maybe we didn't know this is where we were going to have to go. And we had to transition some stuff to make it work. The you know, one I think- thing I will... Sorry, go ahead. Finish. No, go no, no, no. The one thing I was gonna say though, and, and and something that Dave has referenced all season is the actor that plays Bodie, and yeah. how he hasn't really gotten to show how good of an actor he is. And I can say that that you will start to see change because obviously Dodge is possessing Bodie, right? So right. I think in episode four you're gonna see his best acting in him being Bodie possessed by Dodge. Good. I'm, I am. I am hoping for it. I am looking forward to, you know, hearing hearing a positive vibe out of this episode does give me some hope. A couple of things I did appreciate about this episode. I, I did like Ellie coming back to school and confronting the people that were talking about her when she's coming back and sort of standing up to the people who were these two teachers who were, ju- you know, being very judgmental about her return and about her ability as a parent and a mom. I thought that was a very good moment. And then Darby um, Stanchfield, who plays Nina Locke, alcoholism is like any sort of addiction. Addiction comes and beating addiction uh, does really come and go in waves. And there are battles that people who are, who are fighting addiction go through and relapses are a very real thing. And I thought that this episode did a pretty darn good job of, and a lot of this has to go to, like I said, Stanchfield and her performance of this moment with Bodhi triggering a relapse in the sense of her sort of battling guilt and demons over the impact her alcoholism had within the Locke family and particularly within her daughter uh, and that, you know, she and Kinsey, like Kinsey wants to help her so badly and Kinsey won't let it go and, and, you know, confronts her inside her head. And Nina is appreciative, but is also like, no, I, this is something I, I, I need to battle first. I just thought that was, you know, in the middle of what I felt was another muddy, kind of bad, poorly done episode, this was a good little side story within the episode. So I will nod my head to that. Yeah. I, you know, she's a good actress. She's, she's Mm -hmm. been in other things that we've seen before. And, you know, that's, that's something that you can totally relate to inside of a story made up about magic, right? Right. Like people dealing with kind of real life things and the, the concept of having your daughter in your head confronting you, you know, that couldn't have been an easy thing. So it, you're right. It is an interesting moment. I think, I think it doesn't really, I don't know how much it's going to play into the rest of the story though. That's kind of, no. the, it's, it's the problem with everything, right? It's like, it's right. there, it's okay. But 
Is that really the part of the story you're telling again? No, I agree with that totally. Last thing that I thought was kind of weird and out of place, the uh, the pseudo funeral for Eden Hawkins after they find her in the well and toss her body into the ocean. It's, and then we sing. And it was just weird for me because this was a character that was an antagonist to the entire <laughs> to the entire Locke family. And it's like, oh, but we're, you know, she she wasn't a total asshole when she wasn't possessed by demons and stuff. So I guess good for her. Like it, it, that it was just and it was another one of those things. It felt shoehorned in and out of place. So yeah, that's that's that is my take on season three, episode three of lock and key i'm excited like i said before i'm excited for for episode four and, and i look forward to catching it i hope you uh don't watch any more episodes next no week. i won't it's okay i may even i'll even message you and remind you specifically i'll rewatch re episode four next week but i think i think we're gonna get back to having some of the better conversation about this <laughs> excuse me series that we okay. so much enjoyed the first season and a half or so good i i'm looking forward to it all right, well, that is going to do it for our first segment. We're going to jump into our first commercial break and then head into the trailer park, talk a few trailers with you all. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShot.com. All right, welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. Still with you, Patrick O'Dowd and PC Tunney. Getting ready to jump into the trailer park. Again, no Dave, so no Banjo. Because I, I am not a fan of the acapella voice banjo performances. Because I'm a grumpy old man. I'm a curmudgeon, as it is put out there. I, sh I shake my fist at the clouds. By the way, speaking of The Simpsons, I've been meaning to ask you about this. Have you watched 
any of the documentary series on The Simpsons on Vice TV? No, I haven't. I will send you the name of that series. I don't even know if you have Vice TV, but it's very it's been very interesting. It is a uh it's on right before Dark Side or not Dark Side Tales from the Territories, which they're they're running all the month of October. And it's been the how the Simpsons came to be and what they went through to get it on the air in Fox from prior to the Tracy Ullman show all the way uh, into how it became a household entity on our television sets. It's been very, very interesting. The only thing I don't like is it does not appear that Matt Groening was a strong part of this documentary outside of giving his permission to maybe do it. Because he's not, I haven't seen him do any interviews. They've gotten a lot of other folks, but not Matt Groening to be a part of it. But as a Simpsons fan, or at least a respectful, you have a healthy respect for the Simpsons. It's been a good watch. It's, I think it's three episodes deep and yeah, I've been meaning, I've been meaning to bring it up, but it's, it's, it's a good watch. And so if you have vice TV out there, kids, check it out. It's really good. I do have vice TV and I will check this out. I also have to check out tales from the territory. I haven't started that, but this is the second season of icons unearthed. So I want, do you know who did, they did that first season? I don't, I'd have to IMDB that bad boy, but uh definitely like liking what they've done with the simpsons there's vice tv low-key has some some fun little documentary series what's the first season is it seinfeld oh oh jesus i have to go back and find that no actually do i need to go back and find that because let's be real how many times have we seen a documentary about the inception and creation of star wars it's kind of like uh they did the Rick, the, the latest Rick Flair. I can't remember thing, and I watched it, and everybody was like, "Oh, it was great!" And I'm like, "Yeah, knew all that already." <laughs> right, like the last, like the last one I watched. You talked about Ric Flair was the ESPN 30 for 30, which is now like five years old. Like it's crazy because he was still married and all that. But yeah, you look at Star Wars. Like Disney had Light and Magic, which was basically for four episodes of the story of Star Wars. So maybe I won't catch, maybe I won't go back and watch that one. But The Simpsons, I don't, I knew some, like every, I think a lot of people know that it started with the Tracy Ullman show and that it was a, 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 a kind of a break between commercials. But to to know that it, its popularity was such that it, that it ran out another cartoon uh, was, was interesting to learn. Like I didn't know that, uh, that there were two, there were actually two animated sort of in between commercial tags that came with the Tracy Ullman show and one of them it was funny they showed clips of it I was like this is I I like watching I was like I can see why the Simpsons won because I am not entertained by this at all but uh, and then to learn that Tracy Ullman did not like the Simpsons very much at all like she she did not care for that particular piece of it um was was also has also been very very interesting so check it out you'll learn a lot on there um, but let's, let's table that for a second. Oh, one last thing. Uh, by the time you all listen to this, the first of a two part Treehouse of horror will have aired on Fox as Treehouse of horror, horror number 30 million is hitting Fox tonight. 33, 34, somewhere in there. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's ridiculous how many seasons this has been on. All right. All right. I'm, I have ADHD the shit out of the trailer park. Let's get into the trailer park. 
and we're going to start with a film that has not yet been fully funded and completed, and that is a documentary coming out titled The House From. And this trailer, this is the one that was that to me I thought might spark your interest a little bit. Because the whole concept of this trailer and this documentary is famous houses in television and film and what happens to the owners of those houses or those houses themselves once the camera crews leave and the movie or the TV show is out and popular. And the trailer focused on one house in particular for, for the trailer, and that was the house from the movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which I did not know was just a house that they used. That it that I thought it was like a set or something that was built. But the trailer goes through it. It it looks like it's gonna go to like the house from the Goonies. Um, I think the Breaking Bad house is in there. It was just like this list of home after home after home. And these these homes are still standing and people live in them. And, and their experience is what happened to them. Like I the only thing that I've ever heard of about any of these houses after they showed up on television or the big screen was the Breaking Bad house where the where Walter tosses the pizza on the roof and that the owners of that house had to basically put their house under surveillance because so many people were driving to their house and throwing pizzas on their roof after it was over and it was driving them insane. I can only imagine what that was like. But I think that's a really interesting niche documentary to learn about and to get some people's stories as to how this impacted their lives. Tony, what say you? No, being the 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 big television nerd that I am, um, it's probably like my biggest part of my nerddom in being a part of this show. It is interesting to hear those different stories and to know that, like you said, this wasn't a set. This was someone's house, right? And then someone still has to live there afterwards. And I've heard stories from other things, too, where people show up and some people... Some people like it. Some people don't, right? I mean, if you're getting a pizza thrown on your fucking house every other day, you're probably right. not going to like it. You know, if you can charge money to have people come through and make money off of it, you probably like that a little bit more if it's kind of taken care of in that sense. But yeah, it's interesting to know how they came about picking out these houses as well. I think that's going to be something that would be interesting. But I mean, just the TV aspect of think of all the series that you've watched and the buildings that you're familiar with and know that some of them are actually real fucking places. Right. I am considering actually chipping in towards their GoFundMe to finish this, to see this thing get made. Like that's how interested I was in, in this little project because it's so unique. So take a look. The trailer can be seen on YouTube. I pulled it off of, um, my favorite website, Gizmodo, IO9. Uh, Oh, the twilight, the twilight house is in there, uh, from those movies like i think the full house house full house house um i just wanted to say full house house yeah there's yeah it's it's a lot and i think it's i think it's a good i I think it's a worthwhile documentary to check out in just such an interesting niche um i was really heavy on the documentaries today i like i said we're gonna cut out one trailer because i'm not equipped to really talk about it very much uh but this next one this one is actually currently streaming it is on peacock it is titled, I Love You, You Hate Me. 
And it is all about the rise and backlash towards the children's television show, Barney and Friends. Now, as a child of the 90s, and by child, I mean I was a, I was a teenager by the time you got to the early to mid-90s. Like, I graduated high school in 96. That's right. I'll put a number on myself. I'm in my 40s. But Barney, I remember Barney being a very significant piece of children's television. And would you say it was hated more or less than the Teletubbies by when the backlash started? I don't know about that. That's a good question. Uh, I think the Teletubbies really pissed people off more, though. I think the Barney thing was more of like a overall hating of the theme i think the teletubby show was just like what the fuck are we spoon feeding right. our kids right now but barney was real it was like as big as i mean i'm three years younger than you are right right and so i was a little bit younger in the early 90s you know i was nine ten when we started that decade but i i never got into it but it was on that level of consumption where it started to fill the role that sesame street had and Mr. Rogers had and things of that nature. It became that iconic. You know, it's funny that all the things that all the songs that the, 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 that people would make the words up to about it, you know, when you were kids and sing the Barty song and you'd make it dirty or whatever. It was just such a wholesome show that you couldn't believe there was so much of this negativity and, and, death threats and like like drama surrounding Barney, the fucking dinosaur. Like the dude put on a dinosaur suit and danced and sang with kids for half an hour. Big fucking deal. Right. I, I, again, this is another one of those that, you know, I've got Peacock. So I'm absolutely at some point, because I I go through this, I go through like documentary phases where I just want to watch docs. And this is going to be one of those that hits that list. Like I watched a documentary this morning. Uh, and so it may, it may be coming soon. I watched, uh, um, facing Nolan, by the way, about Nolan Ryan. It's on Netflix. It's really, yeah, how was that? uh, it's pretty good. It's a little, uh, it's a little schmaltzy. It's very much like a, a love letter to Nolan Ryan and his career. And, you know, and he was, hev- he and his family are heavily involved in that documentary, but it, it was good. It was really interesting. It changed my viewpoint of a couple of his most famous images, uh, the bloody face image, uh, that that everybody talks about, and uh, and the Robin Ventura photo, which when you watch the whole incident in its totality, you realize that yeah, he had him in a headlock for a little bit, but then he gets plowed under and buried by a mound of people, and actually kind of got washed away after it's all said and done. But that wasn't what the photographers caught. The photographers caught him knuckling Robin Ventura in the head a couple of times, saying uh, George Brett is one of the interviews on there as we get off the George Brett does a lot of it. Randy Johnson's on there. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr. Spent some time. There's a lot of really um, good baseball names and minds that contributed to this. So it's, it's, it's a good worthwhile watch. It's only a couple hours long. It's good. And for those of you who only know Randy Johnson as a photographer, he was a baseball player before that. Right. It's crazy, which is, is hilarious. Cause I mean, the man who blew up pigeons with his fastball now, he doesn't photos. want to talk. He he feels horrible about that. By the way, he doesn't well, talk yeah, about that. It was a freak accident at all. I would be. I was a. I mean, I'm. I was a pitcher. Like, and you know, 
very good in high school, recruited to college and everything. I would be fucking bragging about, hey, man, I'm so good. I fucking picked a fucking bird out of midair. You right. know? But Randy Johnson, he's just that sweet, sensitive, tall photographer kind of guy where he loves pigeons. Yeah, now he's more, he's more like Serrano in Major League Two. Serrano hurts a living thing. And then the bird flies away. He's okay. Anyway, back to this Barney thing, though. Yeah, but to, to think that there were urban legends that surrounded... Like, I I remember the drugs in the tail rumor. Like, I remember that rumor. And when they started talking about it, I was like, yeah, I remember that. But I had no idea the level of vitriol toward, like that the guy who did the voice was getting threats of, like, I'm going to come and, like, kill you. Like, like who does that over, over... Like, I get the the characters were annoying. And it's funny to go back, like... People, your treasure, like if you're my age and, you know, or PC's age, the shows you treasured as a child, I'm just going to tell you right now, they're annoying as fuck. Like those, those small children programs are really annoying. And they always were. Sesame Street, kind of annoying. Like really, Elmo is like nails on a chalkboard, but your kid loves Elmo. Currently, the big character oh, that I see a lot... Patrick don't love Elmo? Patrick does not love Elmo. Um, currently, there is a character called Bluey that is really popular amongst toddlers. And and, and the reason why these shows are so annoying to us is because they're, they our attention spans have changed and what resonates with us has changed. And small children really resonate and connect with a certain style like bright colors, over-the-top sounds, over-exaggerated gestures. All of that is stuff that speaks, and it teaches children how to socialize, which is really interesting that adults hate that stuff, but it's because it's grating and annoying and wears on you to, to the point of insanity. But eventually you outgrow that. Eventually you, as a child, are like, this is stupid, and I'll no longer watch it. Barney was just one of those. Yeah, it's it is really a microcosm of the bad parts of society where something so simple and innocent can be turned into an absolutely horrible situation. And they see that a lot. So it it's an interesting story. I'm sure I'll watch it as well. Um, everybody slows down when they drive past the car crash. So I guess we'll have to check this one out, right. too. And this was a documentary that had enough uh, meat on the bone, apparently, to make two episodes. So it is a two part uh, documentary special on Peacock. So check it out. All right. We are going to skip Titans season four uh, because I don't watch Titans and I don't know that you watch Titans either. And I fully, yeah. you know, just full disclosure. A, we thought it's a Dave and Ray thing. Yeah. At the point, at, at the point in time that we were putting this uh, rundown together, Dave and Ray, were going to be a part of the show. I actually was going to have Ray when we knew Dave was going to make it, the, it was going to shift to, having Ray sell us on why we should watch Titans. Cause he's very passionate about this show. And when I've heard good it things, looks, it looks good. I watched You're the trailer. Right. I mean, I did too. It, the, it, it, it looks very, you know, speaking of watching lock and key and, and watching the very unbelievable way the story is being told. This looks very good as far as a superhero kind of action and adventure kind of thing. So, if it was something I had started from the beginning, I'd be equally as as ready 
because uh, it looked good. I mean, it looks like yeah. this season they're going back to Metropolis or something like that. Right. I may Lex sound Luther's like a total involved. moron for saying that. Yeah, Lex Luthor. I mean, that's huge, right? And they're talking about Lex Luthor is the only uh, villain that Batman ever feared. Right. A lot of people right. don't think there's a lot of interaction between Lex Luthor and Batman. No, I uh, I get it. And and Ray, you know, he talked about it when we when it first got shared in the chat. Like he talked about some of the other villains that apparently make appearances there. That I was like, okay, um, and okay, not in a not in a sort of dismissive sort of way. And okay, I have no idea who you're talking about. Like my understanding of the character Brother Blood, for example, comes from Teen Titans Go. Like anything I know about Teen Titans really comes from Teen Titans Go. I have watched some of the original Teen Titans Cartoon Network series that that was really, really popular, critically critically applauded, but just not my thing. What is my thing, and was something that took me a long time to come around uh, to, and now we are entering into trilogy range, was the Creed series of films, starring Michael B. Jordan playing the son of Apollo Creed. In the first two, the first two iterations, I... You know, it looked like a weird way to kind of keep the Rocky story going. Sylvester Stallone was still in it. But we got a trailer this week for the third installment of Creed, Creed 3. And I think what's really... I don't know how you felt about the first two movies. So let's let's start with that. Tony, have you seen Creed 1 and 2? No. Really? Um, I... <laughs> I actually seen Rocky Five in the movie theater. Wow! <laughs> so my dad, me and my me and my dad went to tons of movies, you know. And if you're my dad is uh, born in 1953, so when Rocky Five comes out after all the Rocky movies, you know, good for him. We went and saw it. I I think the story's good. I know what they've done with it. Um, I like the trailer for this movie. Let's 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 uh, let's do a little precursor to what you're going to do to me later. And let me ask you, not what I liked, but what's the one thing about this movie that I see in the trailer that I absolutely did not like at all? The one thing that you saw in this trailer that you because I think the story is really good. I think it's something it's a it's a different story being told uh, with with more connection and and a good past to it. But there was one thing in the trailer that I disliked a lot. Oh gosh, this is gonna this is gonna show how poorly I know you, because uh, I'm like, because I it's hard because I really liked the trailer. Uh, I did and too. So, and so trying I'll to tell find, you what it is. It's is towards it the, the end of the trailer. Yeah. And when these two guys who have this such serious past and these things get so crazy, like the one thing that was semi I didn't like was his wife or girlfriend turned and looked at him and goes, well, I guess we're going to have to fight. You know, oh, and I'm like, okay, yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah, okay. boxing. But I did like something even less. The fact that then they actually showed them fighting each other in the ring. Michael right. B. Jordan, white shoes, white trunks, white gloves, bad guy, black shoes, black gloves, black trunks. Like, really? Really? Uh, it's it is it is a little on the head, uh, just like back when Rocky fought um, Ivan Drago and he was wearing the red, white, and blue, and Drago was wearing his Russian trunks. The reason I'm I'm interested in this one and am really looking forward to it is because this is the first Creed film to sort of truly 
shake Rocky as part of the story. And like, because the first two films, like in the first one, it's Rocky training young Adonis Creed. And in the second one, it's Rocky's past. Like, like they do this sort of juxtaposition with Ivan and his son, Victor, taking on Rocky's protege, Adonis. And, and it's really a story about Rocky's past and not, and not Adonis's life. This movie, this is all about Adonis Creed's past, his life. Uh, Jonathan Majors, by the way, the, the man who will be playing um, King the Conqueror in the MCU, uh, looks, he is a hell of an actor. Looks like he really, like there's some photos that have been floating around of him, like all cut and built and, and looking swole. I'm pretty sure it was for this movie that he got built up and cut and swole. Uh, sorry, Marvel fans, but it was, it's, it's really been interesting because this to me, just like I said, it feels like the first film in this trilogy that is really just focusing on Adonis Creed and his life and his past. And, and, oh, you know, I do, it's funny because the Rocky three parallel is a clever Lang sort of parallel of a guy who has a chip on his shoulder and wants to kind of show the world he's been wrong uh, excuse me sorry about that uh but i'm looking i'm really interested in where this story takes us because i think this this is a real opportunity to make this and, and like i said the first two creed movies are great this one's really about adonis uh, this is also michael b jordan's directing debut which is going to then come up in a conversation that we have later on in this episode. I, I hope I hope this movie shows he's got. I think he has the chops to do it. Obviously, they wouldn't have you know let him. You know, he's not directing a film if if people don't think he can do it. But um, I'm excited for for that. I'm excited that this is his directorial debut, and, I, and I'm looking forward to to seeing how it plays out. Yeah, I think I'll actually end up catching this one just because I like the backstory of building to this fight. So we'll see what happens. Michael B. Jordan, very talented. And yes, we will be talking about him shortly and seeing how talented we really think he is. Cool. All right. Well, there you have it. That is our trip to the trailer park. Sands, banjos, some good stuff out there to check out. A couple of documentaries. And we don't just talk about comic book stuff. See, we gave you some Creed Three. Good good trailers out there for you to check out we are going to take our second commercial break already in this swiftly moving edition of bandwagon nerds and before we get to before we get to our recorded commercials i do want to remind you all that if you like what we do here on the bandwagon and you enjoy all of the quality content that the chair shot media network puts out there on your uh internet airwaves the best way to support us and to keep us going is to help get our word out by investing in us over at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and purchasing a chair shot shirt. We have all kinds of amazing designs to choose from. Everything from the Bandwagon Nerds t-shirt that I just so happen to be sporting today to chair shot logo shirts to other programs, sayings from shows, things we just believe to be true like Baron Corbin sucks. Don't have to, I say believe it to be true. We just know it's true. 
All of these are available over at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. All of these help get our brand out there more and more and keep us on your internet airwaves. Shirts are only $19.99, or if you're feeling fancy, want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Your skin will thank you. It's awesome. It's beautiful. I love it. Again, we love putting out this content every single day. And the only way we can do that and keep this moving is by having support from each and every one of you. So one last time, that website, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, we've got some Warner Brothers news, some MCU rumor news, all of that to wrap up your Monday. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back everyone. Patrick O'Dowd and PC Tunney still here with you on the bandwagon, ready to talk some news around the Nerdosphere. And I I know Dave likes to do this, and I hate that I'm participating in this, but we once again have a story from uh from our good friends at Warner Brothers where where they're just doing something that doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. And this week Warner Brothers announced that they are getting into the world of NFTs by releasing a special Lord of the Rings NFT experience. That's right. Warner Brothers has partnered up with Web3 for with the Web3 firm Alluvio to build out its NFT movieverse, which just sounds like digital editions of movies you already own in 4k like that that's it and it's starting with fellowship of the ring it's the extended edition i'm looking at the picture to purchase it it is the lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring extended edition premier epic edition there's two different ones right there's the epic and then there's um thought they had two different things they were doing with that but i don't know these nfts it's really weird that they're kind of trying to build their movie verse with it like using that as like the backbone of of why people should be investing in this i guess it's okay but there's not a lot of movies and series and things you can do this with where you have the kind of fans that'll pay for that kind of stuff right like you're not getting anything new you're just getting a different kind of format or something you can brag about owning, right? It's kind of like a collector's edition kind of thing, right? Right. So, I mean, who, who's who's wrong? The, the 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 person for taking the sucker's money or or the person who lets the sucker keep their money? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So you you're right. There are two different editions that you can buy with different features associated to them. So there is the mystery edition or the epic edition and so for the for the mystery edition so along with a digital copy of the fellowship of the ring the 30 dollars mystery edition comes with one of three interactive navigation menus modeled after the shire rivendell or the mines of moria 
as well as a selection of image galleries related to that location. Eight hours of special features and a number of hidden AR collectibles. So that's that's the and that's the thirty dollar edition. The one hundred dollar epic edition. So a hundred a seventy dollar difference also comes with access to menus and pictures from all three locations, as well as an assortment of other pictures not found on the cheaper option. Users will be able to view their AR collectibles on their phones after discovering them sprinkled throughout the movie NFT, which will only be viewable in a browser. So, and Warner Brothers, this is a this is Warner Brothers is going to do this um, with other films. Like according to an Alluvio spokesperson, the plan is to to release many many more of its films as NFTs like this in the future. This is all coming, by the way, on a, on a report from TheVerge.com. Uh, so credit where credit is due. That's the question, though. Like That's something I just brought up, too, in, in, in talking about this, is to what extent of their library can they actually be successful in, in doing this? Because, like, if you... Let's, let me just be stupid for a second. Lord of the Rings, yes. Tons of people that are, like, Die hard. I, if there's any little difference thing that I can get my hands on or see, great. What if they have the rights to a police academy? Are you going to do fucking NFTs for police? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's right. only so many. Like, I could. This could be a, a Back to the Future thing for sure, right? Like, sure. cult classic things. But how much of does Warner Brothers have that in their library? Is the question. What are the rumors that you're hearing about different projects? I haven't seen any rumors or specific projects yet. It just says that there there is more to come. What um, this all comes down to this idea of uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, and the 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 allure of and and I'll be honest, our audience is a big audience for this idea. The idea that you buy a thing and you have stuff that is unique to this pa- this thing you have a passion for that n- only so many other people will have access to. So, like that's like the, the things about NFTs is is this idea that you buy something and it's wholly yours and your own and it's completely unique and that I can't if you buy uh and something an NFT that I can't buy the same NFT. This just seems weird because it seems like they're they're not really making it that exclusive uh, for anybody who wants to buy it. And so it's it's interesting to even call it an NFT from, from that regard because what are you really getting? But it, it's all about this idea and this, this sort of need to hoard, this need to have all of this stuff that is unique to the thing that you love, whether it's special images behind the screens foot scenes footage you know like it's 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 basically what we used to do with the you know special editions this is just a different type of special edition and and this is coming from a guy who by the way suckered himself into buying the extended edition blu-rays for both lord of the rings and the hobbit when they came out and were available because i wanted this whole vision of a movie um i'm the same moron who has already bought Spider-Man No Way Home, but would be tempted with the extended edition that got re-released in theaters of checking that out, even though 
the extended edition is really just superfluous scenes that really did nothing to move the story forward. Same thing with, like, the Lord of the Rings one, I will say, while the scenes that were added didn't change the movie fundamentally, was very fan service for people who had read the books and loved them, because it was like, oh, here's this moment from the books that wasn't there, that didn't really do anything to move the story along, but to a fan of Tolkien was like, this is great. So, you're right. Lord of the Rings really lends itself to that because if they've got more stuff that they've just never shared that is connected to the original work and, and films themselves. Harry Potter, by the way, I think is another one that'll, that'll make a fuck ton of money when they go and do this on NFT because those fans are, are rabid. Just, I, I mean, Robbie Coltrane passed away. He played Hagrid in the, the Harry Potter movies and, and you know, the outpouring and, you know, and sadness that, that followed that from that, that fan, that fan base will spend the money. They will. So I would, I, if I were to place my money on what would be a good second WB franchise to do the NFT route with Harry Potter would be it. Yeah. And that's just, it's right in line with the Lord of the Rings and the fan base. Right. It's a little younger. So you can do a little bit more focus on a younger age group there but yeah it just lends itself in the same exact way like a star wars would like i said back to the future before things with things with dedicated fan bases you know that are willing to go out for any little thing like we like i joke all the time it's all star wars because there's a fucking lot of it well it's all lord of the rings there's a lot of it right so you have something with a dedicated fan base and you got a lot to share makes makes perfect sense exactly what you're saying And we talk a lot about how bad their movies are uh, lately, but DC, Warner Brothers owns DC uh, films. So do you re-release the original Superman movies? Do you re-release the Tim Burton Batman movies? Michael Uh, Keaton, yeah. Yeah. Michael Keaton, Batman. Do you you release, like there's, there's just so much there that they could do and market with NFTs. And with the departure of HBO Max, or at least the change of HBO Max to whatever it's going to be, hubs or no hubs. Maybe this is this is where they're driving people to to continue to get that content. Think about we'll the see. HBO. How about the HBO series? Oh yeah, Sopranos, the Sopranos, uh, Game of Thrones, everything. You know. Yeah, I yeah I I think we'll we'll hear more about this to come. All right. Speaking of DC and and Warner Brothers and terrible hold oh. on I, I just want to say one thing before we move on and it just popped into my head as you were transitioning sure. and i apologize but it's nope, okay are we just finding more ways to get more out of the old content we have because we can't come up with new fucking stories anymore like this is really yeah. I, I i love the word microcosm but it is a microcosm of the lack of imagination and re you know invention in hollywood currently and it's been that way for a while there might be something to that like, I'm not saying there's not something to that because it, it really is fascinating what makes money in entertainment and it's not creative and unique new ideas. Like, probably the best film that I saw in the past calendar year is Everything Everywhere All at Once. And it got great buzz, but it it didn't make Black Adam money. So that that tells you all you need to know. Or it didn't it didn't even make, you know... Superman, you know, it didn't even make it didn't make any money. 
Like, it, it just, it didn't make that kind of money. Now, it was an independent movie on a modest budget, so it didn't make its money. But, you know, the reboot of Quantum Leap was more exciting than everything, everywhere, all at once for the four episodes. And now it's already in danger of being canceled. So, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, back to DC, Warner Brothers. This has been a long brewing story, and it finally came to a head this week. Deadline reporting that Walter Hamada has departed the DC Films as Warner Brothers Discovery sort of finalizes its exit. So, for those of you who don't know, Walter Hamada has been with Warner Brothers for 15 years, and for four of those years, he was president of DC Films. He left the company this week uh, and basically all we are waiting for now is for senior Warner Brothers Discovery Brass to finalize his exit payout. So he's been with DC. His run with DC started in 2018. He was re-upped in January 2021 and his contract was supposed to take him through 2023. Obviously they're looking to do a buyout on that. There has been a lot of conflict with Hamada and and Warner Brothers, he was a big part of the uh, the Fisher story that we talked about from um, from Justice League. Hamada has done. Hamada was a big proponent of a lot of the previous Warner Brothers slash DC film projects that were coming up. We skipped talking about Zatanna. He was part of the people that was. Um, that was behind trying to get Zatanna on there. He was a part of the Constantine film that got scrapped, Batgirl, which got cut. Um, you know, he was an executive producer for two of the bigger movies in recent memory under the DC block, um, including James Wan's Aquaman, which, believe it or not, made $1.1 billion, and the Joker film, Todd Phillips' Joker film. So... He wasn't bad, Um, but it seems like the change is is finalized, and he's out. And uh, is the is the? Let me ask you a question. Do you think? And there's there's an obvious answer here, but we don't know specifically. Do you think that it's more him wanting out and making that known once things start to give his getting scrapped? Or more so with this changeover and and the upheaval of the whole structure of of where he's working, basically them going we're we're gonna gonna out with the old we're starting in with new again, or is it a combination of both? I, I think it's the last point that you just made there. I think I think it's it really is uh, a combination of Hamada recognizing the writing on the wall with where Warner Brothers Discovery is going with the DC properties, as well as the level of dis- dysfunction within DC films, regardless of how they've done financially or not done financially, there is a serious level of dysfunction in DC films. And they're, they're still, they're they're still trying to figure out how to fix it. And we talk about this a lot, like with, with as much as we may complain about cookie cutter films made by, by Disney and Marvel, they, they are solid, they are steady and, their ship doesn't need writing the way that DC does. President of DC films, obvious choice. He's not running for the president anymore. 
at least put that rumor to bed. Why can't Dwayne Johnson be the president of DC Films? Well, like, there is no reason not to do that. Look at what he already did for the DC Universe. Not talking about him being a DC character, but if you watch Black Adam, you know what I'm talking about. You know well, where his reach goes, and you know how he can influence people, and everybody fucking loves the guy. Right, and yeah, you, you kind of hit on it, but if rumors are to believe, like, Dwayne Johnson pulled a lot of clout to get a lot of things done. And the story, we're just, oh, fuck it, we'll spoil it. Black Adam, it's the worst kept secret ever, but the ba- the Black Adam post credit scene, Superman shows up in the background. Okay, I didn't know if you knew yet. I didn't oh, know yeah, if no, you no, knew no, yet. That, I know you didn't that, know. That so has been all over here's, the internet. Yeah, here's how it happens. I saw the movie Saturday morning, right? right. He had a house party on, a uh, housewarming party. It moved a couple months ago, Saturday afternoon. So I'm like, not giving up Sunday morning to do it before BWN because I'm going to be hung over as fuck, which I am right now, but I'm battling through for you nerds. Um, <laughs> at the end, everything, the story's over of the Black Adam movie and Amanda Waller with this drone that comes in front of Black Adam in Kondok, uh, a screen pops up and it's Waller saying, you know, you're not, you're not going to stay in our prison. Kondok is your prison. If you leave, you won't live to regret it. And he says, I'm the most powerful person on, I'm the most powerful thing on earth. What are you going to do? She goes, I can get people from other planets to come talk to you. And that, he destroys that. And next thing you know, here comes Henry Cavill. As Superman in the suit with the cape, looks right at Teth Adam and says, there's certain things that you don't understand. Why don't we talk? Yeah. Um, behind the scenes, we Warner didn't think Henry wanted to do this anymore. And not, sure it's enough, not, it, it's not even just about that. Uh, rumor has it, it was either Hamada or other executives at WB and Discovery and DC didn't want Superman to be the post credit scene. That Dwayne Johnson fought. And went over people's heads. Went over. I do believe it was. He went over Hamada's head to be like, "No, I want this. We're going to make it happen." And he made it happen. So maybe he's the guy. I don't know. Maybe who knows if he wants it. Maybe he doesn't want it. If he wants it, would it be a terrible idea? I can't be any worse. And he is savvy. He knows his shit. And he's the biggest action star. In Hollywood, period, bar none. He is one of the most powerful actors in Hollywood, period, bar none. Name a bigger star. Right. When he's done making his movies and acting in movies, he will be the biggest action star in the history of cinema, period. I don't care. You can can throw whatever names you want at me. Bruce Willis, yada, yada, yada. It's fucking The Rock, period. It's funny because you went Willis, I would have gone Schwarzenegger. Sure, uh, Stallone, because, whatever. Because those those are the names that yeah really kind of popped in mind. So is is there there there's definitely an argument there for it. I think that Warner Brothers Discovery has a big decision to make, and, and guys, you best not fuck it up. Like you best not fuck it up because. Yeah, and you can't fuck it up any worse than you already have, but you've managed to find new ways to fuck it up over and over and over again. 
it's basically here here if you're listening you're list they're listening patrick they're they are, listening. totally um <laughs> we, you can't you, want, you can't lose you can't lose the rock if he leaves this if he leaves this whole universe because you guys don't basically give him what he wants you're gonna look like fucking assholes so you need to let him do what he wants until there comes a time and i don't think that will ever come that it makes unbelievably no sense other than that this guy needs to be given free reign taken over you see what he can do go see the movie if you haven't because it's the start over of the DC universe. And I'm really interested to see if they're going to integrate the Batman in with it too as well, or just keep that unbelievably separate. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully it'll, hopefully, hopefully this ship gets right and figured out in some way, shape or form. While I look at Twitter and get yet another HBO max, um, subscriber request uh, as if it's going to be around in a year. You can now save over 40% when you prepay for a year of HBO Max. Um, where and, and, and the other bit of irony, where they say they have a Cartoon Network and Adult Swim collection, both of which have been gutted significantly in the last two weeks by cuts of content from from Warner Brothers Discovery. But, hey, you know, what do we know? What Who are we? We're just a couple of guys on one of the most listened to podcasts on the Chair Shot Radio Network. We don't know what we're talking about. All right, let's let's shift gears, shall we? Let's go over to Marvel and do a little Marvel rumor roundup. Let's play a little bit of music to get us in the mood because we have it and why not? So this week, Tony, I kind of love that every single bullet on here is complete rumor. There is nothing concrete about any one of these. I was excited to let Dave and Ray let their imaginations run wild. And now you and I just get to make our imaginations run wild as we talk casting rumors we talk director rumors we talk about a special that is rumored and we're going to start with the casting rumors first uh the first of which we we have heard through the grapevine through various websites twitter feeds and everything that wonder man uh member of the avengers kind of an interesting unique character in that he is both an actor and a superhero like it's it's one of those sort of fourth wall breaking opportunities, but he is going to be entering into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This week, Screen Geek had put out on Twitter that Wonder Man may be cast already and that it could be Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, best known for his role as Black Manta in Aquaman, for, for those you know who are looking for him in other comic book films, has been cast to be in the Dis in an, in a Disney Plus series, but as the character uh, Wonder Man. So this guy's a hell of an actor, Tony. Uh, 
And, and as is often true with any of these rumors, grain salt shakers heavy. But Simon Williams, he is often known as the creator of the West West Coast Avengers. He is again, he's a superhero slash actor. He has canon connection to Wanda Maximoff as somebody who has been a romantic interest for Wanda Maximoff outside of the Vision. He he's always kind of one of those characters who sorta takes his power seriously, but he's more you know he embraces the sort of celebrity role that kind of comes with it, and. So here we have this guy who, when I last saw him in a superhero film, was playing a very angry man vowing revenge on Aquaman. Uh, your thoughts about this casting, other than to shrug your shoulders and say, sounds great. I It does. It's a good pick, right? I mean, you, right. For you, you know me, and, and, and listeners know me mostly for being a big proponent of well-casted, shows movies if you don't hit the mark right with the characters and who are playing them it's really hard to get invested i am interested in this story because like you said it is a different kind of superhero where is very public person you know what i mean very very out there and it kind of a interwoven identity kind of fabric it of his self is the actor and the superhero at the same time right i'm interested to see who will be the manager and the female lead because they said they've confirmed three leads for this movie. So it makes me think you're going to get two more really decent names um, tagged onto this. So it's something I'm interested in, especially as we're moving forward here, trying to figure out what does the next version of Avengers on the big screen look like? Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I wonder if they will follow. So Wonder Man is also had his connection as a villain what, so as well. Can you give me Wonder Man's like how he has his powers, where he's from? I, I don't know any of that. So depending on again, it all depends on which like version you want to follow through. I'm looking at trying to get his let's see, physical characteristics. Nope. Affiliations and rumors. Um, he's kind of, so he's, he's basically, he's got super strength. He is resistant. He is resistant to, uh, to like damage and pain. He's kind of like a Superman. Um, so I'm reading here now. He, right. he was originally the super villain. Right. Who fought Part the of the Avengers. masters of evil. Okay. Yep. Um, before he, you know, he joins the Avengers, um, it's funny because you try to search for a character and get the official power set and it sends you everywhere but to Marvel. Oh, I got you. Abilities, superhuman strengths, yep. speed, agility, stamina, and reflexes, ionic energy, physiology, enhanced vision yep. and hearing, electromagnetic manipulation, ionic energy manipulation, energy enhanced strike, virtually vulnerability, uh, self-sustenance. Uh, power yep. recycling, size alteration, healing factor, shape shifting, teleportation. This guy's got everything. Flight. Right, right. I mean, he's also he's, for he's Christmas. Kind of, he's gonna he's kind of a catch partridge in a pear tree. Right. <laughs> he's kind of a catch-all character. He's been a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He's been in Heroes Reborn. He showed up in Marvel Zombies. He's been all over the place. He's gonna show up. It'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But um, I hope they go with the 
famous celebrity character Wonder Man, the the movie star Wonder Man, and not some of the other industrial stuff. I, I'm just reading some of the fictional character biography, and right away it says Simon Williams is the son of a rich industrialist, Sanford Williams. And I'm thinking, do they it's come Iron out with Man. a prequel someday, Sanford and Son? Oh, God. You You're know welcome. what? You know what? I, I've been back. holding off. Yeah, I've been holding do it, off. Do it. Bring it. And then you do this. You deserve this. You know you deserve this. Enjoy it. Revel in it. Ah. <sighs> We were doing so well, Tony. We were doing so well. So, all right. Let's move on to another intriguing casting rumor. This one comes to us from comicbook.com, among others. The, the thing that is so difficult, by the way, with these rumors is finding where it started versus which outlet it was reported through. Uh, but basically, this rumor is that Marvel Studios this past week reportedly met with Star Wars sequel trilogy star Adam Driver about a role in the upcoming Fantastic Four film. Now, Comic Book Movies says that this rumor comes by way of the Hot Mike show, a show I've never heard of. And here's what's great about this rumor. I'm just going to read this sentence to you because I do this all the time when um, I talk wrestling rumors with Greg. Nothing was said about exactly who Marvel wanted to who wanted Driver to play or what decisions were made, only that the meeting happened months ago. So really this is a nothing rumor that's fun to speculate about. Um and with there no role being discussed in the where and from the from where this thing originated, you could go in one or two directions with an actor at the caliber of Adam Driver. Is he being cast in the Reed Richards role or is he being cast in in what is my opinion the greatest villain of all time in Marvel, Dr. Victor Von Doom? If I were to have my druthers, it would be Dr. Doom based on just the type of actor Adam Driver is, the type of characters I've seen him play, and even... Even a little, like I could see a little Kylo Ren. I could see a little bit of him in, um, oh gosh, The Last Duel. Uh, he just, he's a very strong actor who I think could play one hell of a villain. And I think he'd do some real justice to the Doctor Doom character if there were any merit to this rumor at all. What say you, Tony? It's all Star Wars, baby. Here we go. But <laughs> <laughs> all comes back to Adam, Star Wars, I guess. Adam Driver is an actor currently that I enjoy as much, if not more, than any other actor on the fucking planet. As being Mr. Saturday Night, dubbed, not given to me by myself, but very much appreciative of the moniker from Mr. Patrick O'Dowd. You want to watch one of the best guest hosts in Saturday Night Live history? Watch Adam Driver's episode on Saturday Night Live. The guy is fucking awesome. What leads me to believe that I think if he had his druthers, not yours or mine, because I agree the guy plays a villain like nobody, like nobody, I think he would eat up being a good guy. And I think he could give it to you. I think he could really do a good job with Reed Richards. And I just got to throw this I told you so out there. Not John Krasinski, guys. Just not. 
Though if you ask Emily Blunt, she still wants it to be John Krasinski. I, yeah, I, I don't know that. I don't think it's John well, she's Krasinski. She's always blunt about it. The other, the other thing that I think is really interesting about this is, say, the rumor is true of Adam Driver as Dr. Doom and John Krasinski was Mr. Fantastic. My biggest question that I asked Ray Cash, because the thing that's really important about those two characters is much like Charles Xavier and Eric Lencher, a.k.a. Magneto, the connection between the two they are colleagues, peers, and they are of the about the same age. And so Doom and Reed Richards are intertwined. They went to college together. Like, that's part of the story. They were rivals in college. And what? <laughs> Adam Driver plays Dr. Doom, and Ewan McGregor plays Reed Richards. Is that what we're getting? Oh, can <laughs> we? That again? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you, it wasn't Ewan McGregor. You and McGregor was rivals with Hayden Christensen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Obi Wan, so Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Would we be? Uh, well, well, we'd you, have to because eh, yeah. it was Greg. In, so Mark Hamill going to have to be the. He's going to bring Harrison Ford in. He's, he's so, already coming also, in. He's he's General also, Ross apparently. He, also, yes, he. he is. You, you can stop if you want. It's fine. It's just the two of us, so there's really not much. We yeah. He won't he won't be flying any planes. Uh, I think I think that'll that'll long be established. Um, I will say if those two are are the the decision, and, and I am not saying they are the decision, noble listener, by any stretch of the imagination. But if they if they were, that is some good casting. That is that I think the two of them would play very very well off of each other. Um, just if John Krasinski is going to be Reed Richards, get rid of the beard. Uh, look like Reed Richards for fuck's sake. I hated it. Um, just me. It's all Star Wars. Speaking of Fantastic Four rumors, yet another one coming. This one coming from CosmicCircus.com The Silver Surfer. I know, right? Silver Surfer is a character that is often connected with the Fantastic Four and more specifically Galactus. You're not a fan, are you, of the Silver Surfer? I don't know that it's that I'm not a fan. He's just very... I find him to not be a very dynamic character. Uh, what can like they his... do? What can they do to change your mind? What part of the story can they tell? What way can they portray this and what they're trying to do to make you go, okay, that's the way you got to tell this story? Honestly, you'd have to start with Norrin Rad at the very beginning. And how he becomes a herald of Galactus. Because he is an unwilling herald of Galactus. He becomes a herald of Galactus in an effort to save his planet and his family. And his bargain with Galactus is accurate to the Rise of the Silver Surfer movie. Where he does... uh, He agrees to be the herald of Galactus. So that Galactus does not consume his planet. uh, And so then he leaves other planets. Until he meets Reed Richards and more specifically Sue Storm. Who help him turn against Galactus and they defeat him. Um, you'd have to just, you'd have to be able to tell a really good story about how Norrin Rad became the Silver Surfer. And it's just one of those things like one, you know, and how he gets the power cosmic and how he keeps it. And, and for me, it's just, he's never been a compelling character. Like he's just always been kind of boring to me. And he's sort of OP for the whole thing. It's like, you'd have to be in the Marvels. Uh, or in those sorts of level things. And and I don't know. I think we joke about it. Keanu Reeves is probably the right guy to be the Silver Surfer. 
Do you think that in this overall kind of arc that they've released for the future of the MCU, do you think, like, obviously we're building towards the new set of Avengers, right? That's that's the right. biggest thing we're doing right now. Do you think they have a plan that's very simplistic in the fact that the main parts of it, maybe one to three characters, they know exactly what they want, but the tertiary characters they want to add in as like a silver surfer in other ways, maybe that people don't know about. They're kind of just test screening with everybody going, well, let's when we have a long time to make this decision. Let's see how much people like each of these different things. And then we'll figure out what kind of new Avengers we're going to put together because they don't have to go back and look at any form of the event. They can make their own new thing. They've been so successful with what they're doing. The interesting thing about Marvel in the Marvel comic universe is that just about any comic book character that's been on earth as, as a hero has been an Avenger. Been, like, sure. like there's a very famous panel in, right. But not all together. You know what I mean? Like, right. But it doesn't um, matter to us, right? We just right. want it. It doesn't care. Right. As long as it makes sense, we want it. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's interesting. I feel like there has to be some level of plan in place somewhere to 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 get to to have this all fit in a way that isn't noise and makes sense. Like there's just so many characters that that are being teased and talked about now, and I do think some of it is us as fans overvaluing what we see or hear on the screen, um, whether it's a tease about a particular character or not. Like I think there are some that it's very clear. Oh yes, this is a person we are going to be focusing on moving forward, and then there's others where we're like. This person could be huge, and Marvel may not really see it that way, which is just normal, I think, out of fandom. You can you can dismiss this theory if you want, but someone at Marvel, while they were starting to make Iron Man and get this whole ball rolling, went, look at what wrestling does. Let's do what wrestling does. You throw out a lot of red herrings. You give people a lot of stories they like that aren't necessarily... You may think they're moving towards the the main story, but they're, does that do you draw the simulation same simulations I do there? I think there are similarities there. I don't think that there that um that pro wrestling was the in, inspiration. But it's a great way to book a comic book universe, wouldn't you say? I think I think that there. It's all booking. Yes, and there, it is booking. It's all script writing. It's all storytelling. It's just depending on how you want to describe it and define it. I I do think that there is a sort of quote-unquote master plan storyboard as to where these different units and characters go and how it all works and comes together. We also, it's why I don't necessarily buy rumors that we see popping up about Tony Stark or Steve Rogers making an appearance back because you've already got a glut of so many characters you're trying to build you're not going to then fall back on two of the characters that you retired. It doesn't. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, to if get this that, all, it would. If right. they do that, I'm sorry. Just real quick, if they do yeah. that, that would be stupid because for one, we don't need it, and for two, they did a great job of writing them out in a way. Right. So yeah, I just it's it's cheapening a retirement, in my opinion. If you if you bring them back, uh, it's like Rick Flair wrestling at TNA. You know, it's all wrestling still. Right. Look at you. Um. But I will say, if you are going to introduce the Silver Surfer, to bring this back to the rumor where this started, it's 
it's a it's a special on Disney Plus. I we've talked about this in previous episodes. I do think Disney Plus gives an opportunity for waters to be tested with different characters that makes it easy to never pursue so, it again and call it a one-off and just have so this it in is your back pocket. To, so this is supposed to be a werewolf by night kind of thing. That's the way I understand it. I don't know that it's like a documentary about the Silver Surfer because nobody's going to watch that. But that, yeah, it would be a similar style to like Werewolf by Night. And it'll just be interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if this actually comes to fruition and what happens. So um, not a lot of details. The one detail that I do see about the character that seems to be um, gaining strength in this rumor is that while Norrin Rad will currently be the Herald of Galactus, he will not be coming to Earth. It'll be more about him um, as the Herald of Galactus to different corners of the MCU universe, which gives him an opportunity to run into, uh, I don't know, like the Eternals or some of these other folks and kind of put it around about in a different way. Um, who knows? We will see. All right, final Marvel rumor before we get to our last little you know segment of the day. Uh, we talked about Michael B. Jordan making his directorial debut with Creed 3 uh, immediately, and this is purely out of this... I, I believe this is purely out of Michael B. Jordan making his directorial debut. Marvel has a film that just lost a director. This could make a lot of sense. Because this one, I couldn't find an article or anything sourced. So in the level of salt shakers, we're talking get the big Morton's jar of, uh, jar of salt with the spout, and just bury yourself in the salt. You can have that, yes. Oh, um, I have one of them. Yeah, you, you should pour that over your head right now in the middle of this. Because this is this is a more than salt shaker handy rumor. But there is a rumor that Michael B. Jordan may be in talks to direct Blade. As we've talked about, Blade has been under a lot of scrutiny lately. If you talk to Ray Cash, he's extraordinarily worried about whether or not this film even gets made. If this rumor were to be true, Tony, it once again proves that Marvel has its shit together in a way that DC just does not. Because I feel confident in Michael B. Jordan out of what I've seen of him on, uh, on film and what I've seen in his producing credits to his, to his name to think he can direct and direct well. What say you? Yeah, I'm 100% behind the guy. I mean, anything he's ever done, whether it's movies or television or promotionally. You remember the show, you remember the show Parenthood on NBC? Yep. He was on there. Yep. The guy is versatile and he knows a lot of different styles of storytelling in my opinion, and that's the perfect thing that you need. So, yeah, listen, Mahershala Ali is playing uh, Blade, right? That's what we got attached to this movie. That Why is still, it makes yep. it, it just makes sense to bring in a guy like Michael B. Jordan who gets what it takes to make money at the box office. Look at how he's already taken something that exists in Rocky and turned it into Creed. Like this Blade story is this is not the first telling of it, right? Like you need a guy who knows how to come in and take something that's already been there and interest people into going, yes, I want to see this newer version, this newer thing, the storytelling in, in the current day. 
of what we enjoyed in the past. Right. And I do think Michael B. Jordan would be the type of person who could do it. And he's had experience in the MCU working in that environment. Yes, it was as an actor, but also one of the villains that fans didn't want to see die and were disappointed in the way that, that we, we got no Killmonger because, because of the way the script was written, the film was made. And, and now here we are, we have an opportunity to see him maybe back in the MCU in the director's chair. I hope this is a rumor that proves to be true and is not one that is just a rumor based on timing of when this thing was announced. So more to that as it happens and it becomes official because we will learn, as we always do, when um, these things come to be. You will hear about us and our, um, and our analysis of those things when they become real on the bandwagon. All right, last segment of the show. A little bit of uh, business I wanted to conduct with both you and Dave if he had been on the show. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, golfing, which I hope it's nice. It's sunny California, Dave. Hope you, you hope you're not missing us, that you're enjoying a few frosted beverages on the links, smoozing the bosses, making partner or whatever it is, you know, lawyers do while golfing, who, hey, you know, whatever. However, both you and Dave saw Black Adam this past weekend at the theaters. Dave, of course, loved it. You also have indicated that you loved it as well. Let's, let's start here. Uh, in this interesting disparity that has taken place in that at last look, and I'm about to go on Rotten Tomatoes one more time just to see where if it's fluctuated anymore since the last time we looked at it. When Black Adam hit theaters and they released the uh, the initial scores, Black Adam scored 50% on the nose. Uh, as of this podcast recording at 3.35 Eastern on the 23rd of October. Black Adam has now, from critic reviews, dropped to 40% rotten. It has not been appreciated by critics at all. It has been completely embraced by fans in a 90% fresh score out of 20 2,500 plus verified ratings. Now, there's a couple of things that I do wonder, and this is before I say this and, and suffer your ire, because I know you liked the movie, so I'm not saying you are one of these people. Some of part the skeptic in me goes to is this review bombing in reverse? In that the loyal DC fans who wanted this movie to be good, damn it, want this thing to keep going, reviewed it positively like crazy. Because hell, Dwayne himself tweeted it and was like, thank you audiences, glad you loved this, so on and so forth. That being said, tell me what you thought of the movie, tell me why you liked it, and then the big task is I want you to think about this film critically and tell me one thing you think I will absolutely love about this, and why I might end up liking this movie, and tell me why I might end up disliking this movie. Because myself and your uh, your good friend Aesop, uh, we're both we both tend to err on the side of critics a lot of times when we see things, and, and so I'm a little worried I'm going to agree with the critics and and be persona non grata when it comes to Black Adam. 
I'll start by saying I am a World Wrestling Federation, World Wrestling Entertainment apologist. I am a wrestling snob. I only follow the highest of the art form. And if you don't like how I just described that, you AEW fuckboys, you can go kiss my ass. Now, that being said, I did not love this movie just because I want The Rock to be successful. I did love this movie because The Rock did a good job in his role. You will like the telling of this story. And I am firm in my belief in that. And I think you will like this as a starting point, a starting over point and a basis of where DCU can finally succeed. You will not like how Black Adam, played by Dwayne Johnson, has a very subtle, dry humor that is almost rock-esque without the catchphrases and i think you'll you will dislike the the people involved in this movie from this city that are trying to defend their city you will dislike the relationship between the child and black adam because he's very much trying to get him to have a catchphrase and use it and but it's a very small part a very cute part of the show I, I just don't think I just can't see you turning around and saying this whole thing was shit. I can see you turn around and saying this could have been better, but I just firmly believe that you will enjoy the movie and you will enjoy the point at which they picked to start over from. Um, I didn't need Henry Cavill to show up at the end. I love that he did. Okay. Well, there you have it. I know you don't want to spoil this movie for me before I get to watch it, uh, which will probably be next weekend, uh, full disclosure. The nice thing is it is actually playing at my local theater in town, so I can literally walk to the little locally owned theater. It won't quite have the same theater-going experience. I'm assuming you saw it in 3D? It's not in 3D. It wasn't available in 3D. Really? For me. For me, it wasn't. Wow. I, there was no showing, and I... Marcus Theaters. Um, yeah, I, 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 I laughed going, yeah, the fight scenes would have been good in 3D. Um, what are you going to do? I know that the trailers were epic for this thing. I was tweeting about them too. Super yeah. Mario Brothers is going to be in 3D. You brought up 3D, so I got to say I can't wait to see that in 3D. Um, nice. One other thing before I, you finish off talking about Black Adam, one of the trailers that I think we're going to have to talk about in the show, even though it's not kind of a nerdish kind of thing, is the menu? Oh this yeah, that movie, movie looks, looks great. Yeah, it looks really uh, good with uh, Ray Fiennes. Yes. Yeah, um, a little bit of a thriller horror element to it all, uh, which could be a lot of fun. So here, yeah, here's my thing. Yeah, I definitely intend to see Black Adam. Uh, I am going to go into it with as open a mind as I can. I can already, I can share. I will share. We all go into films with biases. We all go in with our thoughts ahead of time as we're going. Everybody does it. Doesn't matter how neutral you say you're going to be. We all do it. And I got some concerns based on the reviews that I've read. Um, and what do you? What do you? What are your concerns? The the biggest concern I have out of the critical sort of response to it is that the like it's not that it's an action heavy film. It's an action heavy film at the expense of 
an opportunity for some more, co more cohesive storytelling. There is something about um, the way The Rock's portrayal, sorry, or Dwayne's portrayal of Black Adam is done, that there really, there really seems to be no true threat to to Black Adam in any way, shape, or form. Like that, it that it, it doesn't seem to show weakness. Now, whether or not that's true, not true, or any of that, I gotta wait and see. So, like, it just so it, you're saying. So, the story, the way the story was told, is the problem with the critics, and the character of Black Adam being too invincible is the problem with the critics. That seems to be a couple of the big things that I've read so far. So. You will, next week, when you have already watched this, you will say they, both of those things are complete and utter hooey. Okay. You heard it here first, everybody. PC Tunney is putting it out there that Patrick O'Dowd is going to come into this film, or come into this podcast, post-watching Black Adam, and say, you know what, guys? The critics were wrong. Tune in. I think that's a great way to end the show, actually. I think that's where we're going to call it. So before we get out of here, though, Tony, thank you for coming on. You know, tag team in today uh, on the bandwagon as we were down a couple. Tell everybody where they can listen to you out there in the Chair Shot Radio Network and how to follow you on the socials if they are so inclined. Yeah, no worries. Uh Fun time once again. Continue to listen to the show, Chair Shot Radio Network. Don't forget to follow at It's Ray Cash. Ray is in Mysterio, C A S H as in dollars, and David Ungar at Attitude Ag, A T Attitude A G G on the Twitter right there. You can follow me at PC Tunney. Follow Chair Shot Media on Twitter. You're going to see what's going on every single moment that it happens right there. Everything at thechairshot.com. And yeah, like Patrick said, if you're not listening to Bandwagon Nerds, you're just just not in on what's going on excellent excellent you um also should follow the show on the twitter at bandwagon nerds as well put up a couple of spooky season polls was a little surprised that there aren't more people who are scared of clowns i i thought that there would be a bigger clown following out of the horror movie trope uh poll than than what really happened there so good on you all for not you know, being creeped out by clowns. You can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Mondays right here on the bandwagon. Tuesdays with Dave Ungar talking hockey right now. Although this week, no hockey talk this week, kids. Um, and I actually uh, got to talk to Tony off air because I don't even have a recording to put up on for Tuesday. Oh, Tony is waving it off. He's got me covered. Wednesdays, I'll be with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales. Maybe uh, Miranda has not been on the show lately. She's been dealing with life stuff and doing the Miranda Morales show. But it'll be myself for sure with Greg DeMarco talking some wrestling. So those are the ways you can catch me on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the sun or out of the basement. Get some sun. And defy the clear and defy the critics. Like what you like. Don't like what they like. Tell them how you feel. This has been Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.